1: A warm-up for Lilo. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you as in the second segment. You've heard my good buddy, Jill Gallant of FTM Bets. He does an absolutely terrific job. Now we're going to be welcoming on another gentleman with FTM Bets. That would be Pat Madvichuk. He does absolutely terrific work out there in the great state of Massachusetts. going to be his first time on, but we're going to be taking a look at what he winds up making out of some of these postseason races. We're going to be building some of that perspective into what we're going to be seeing on the board for Sunday. We're going to get his take on how he winds up playing some of these chalkier money lines. Because we do have quite a few of those as well. Pat does an absolutely terrific job. So I'm looking forward to having him on. For the first time in the second segment, then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday and a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast, and you have one of two ways to be able to fire these in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters M, name does not matter. So, as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're about firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, and we are going to be cutting off a couple of these West Coast games just because I do have a new venture starting up. As you guys heard on the Vegas Stats and Information Network starting at 1 a.m. Eastern. That would be 10 p.m. Pacific. Every Depends on where you are. Saturday night slash Sunday morning, I'm going to be hosting a new show. Next week is going to be a little bit of a hiatus because I'll be at a buddy's wedding out there in the great state of Minnesota, but Going to be doing some late night hosting over there at VSIN, so it's going to be a good old time. It was a good old time on the diamond yesterday. So let's take a look back at Saturday's results. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
0: Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
1: In the process too, we're going to clean up some of the games from very late Friday night as the Oakland A's were able to really take down the Texas Rangers by a count of 10 to 5 for the Rangers in that one. Glenn Otto gave up 8 runs in 3 and a 3rd innings and you wound up seeing the Oakland A's not necessarily get a great start out of Paul Blackburn giving up 4 runs in 2 and 2 thirds innings. That New York Post play of the day in which I wanted taking the under on that wound up going down in shambles, but we wound up coming back with the over in this one, and that it, as The Rangers, they also got their revenge. 8-6. to six, They wind up taking down the Oakland A's for the A's. They wind up giving up a trio of home runs. DJ, turn it up, Peters. 11th home run of the season. That comes off of Sergio Romo. Yasmedo Petit gives one up to Leo Tavares. His third home run season, and Jonah Heim gets his ninth home run season as the Rangers put up a five spot in the eighth and Cole Irvin winds up giving up three runs or fewer for just the second time in his last six starts. Going 7 innings, giving up 2 runs, but Mr. Sergio Romo turned into Submergio Romo, giving up 4 runs while getting just 2 outs. Andrew Chafin Iwadu giving up a run while getting just an out himself. Yes, Mato Petit gives up one of those home runs, and for the Oakland A's, they also got a trio of home runs. Sterling Marte of the Marte Parte goes the path of West Benjamin. 11th home run season. Gives one up to Mark Canna. Yes, he can get his 17th home run season. And Matt Olson, his 33rd of the campaign, also off of Wes Benjamin, who gives up all three of those home runs, all six of those runs in three and a third innings. Then the bullpen went to work. Brent Martin, Spencer Penn, Joe Barlow all give you a scoreless setting, And Jarrell Kahn, two and two-thirds innings scoreless. So the Rangers were able to get the job done. As I'm doing this podcast, the Dodgers and the Padres game for Saturday is still in progress. After the Padres wound up getting shut out 3-0 to by the LA Dodgers on Friday night. That was a good one for Julio Arias, who is now 17-3. He leads the MLB in wins. And the Dodgers, they wound up entering into Saturday's game, having played just three out of their last 24 games over the total. The Blue Jays certainly have been a little bit different than that. And they wound up in game one of their doubleheader against the Baltimore Orioles, really taking it to them. 11-10, to 10, they use a four spot in the seventh inning to be able to claw their way back. The Orioles wind up giving up in total. A 10-5 to 5 lead as for the Blue Jays, they were able to get a quadrant of home runs in this one. Lourdes Gurriel, 17th home run season. George Springer, 17th home run season. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is 43rd. And Danny Jansen is eighth as Hunjin Ryu got lit up once again in this one. Got seven outs, but gave up seven runs, all of which were earned. has been a little bit shaky for him recently. In the month of August, he wound up having a 621 ERA, so that is not necessarily what he was looking for, Ross Stripling. Not what he was looking for either. These two guys, Ryu and Stripling, they got a combined four innings. For Stripling, he gives up three runs, including two homers. But then from there, Jordan Romano is able to give you a scoreless inning. Nate Pearson, two scoreless innings, going deep for the Baltimore Orioles. Ryan Mountcastle, 27th home run. Anthony Santander, his 16th, and then Austin, the Say's kid, 17th and 18th home runs of the season, but for the Orioles, it was Mr. Wells who did not play very Wells in this one. As Tyler Wells gives up four runs in one and a third innings zone. Tate was able to give you a scoreless inning, but Marcos Diplan winds up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. And Dean Kramer gives up five runs in four innings. Game two is currently in progress as I'm doing this, so we'll hit on that a little bit later. But the San Francisco Giants got in on the fact that they put up double figures against the Chicago Cubs. 15-4, they wind up being able to get the W behind a pair of home runs. Tommy LaSalle, his fourth home run of the season, and Brandon Belt is 23rd. The Belt home run comes off of Zach Davies, who has fallen on some tough times, to say the least. Gives up five runs over the course of two innings, and for Mr. Zach Davies, his ERA ever since the beginning of the month of August is now hovering right around a nine. From there, Tommy Nance winds up giving up the other homer, going an inning, giving up a run, but Manuel Rodriguez wound up seeing his ERA certainly balloon to now a 619 as he winds up giving up five runs, and he got zero odds. His ERA went from a two. 40 on Sunday, September 5th. Now it is sitting at a 619. That is not great. Ed Bear Gives up one run over the course of two innings. A little bit more acceptable there. Dylan Maples gives you two scoreless innings. And Rex Brothers and Scott E. Frost wind up combining to give up three runs over the course of two innings. And for the San Francisco Giants, Kevin Gosman delivered a pretty solid start. Giving up three runs over the course of six innings, including nine punch outs. And then Caleb Barger winds up getting a three-inning save as he gives up one run over the course of three innings as the Giants really ripped this game open in the fifth inning, being able to get a six spot in that one. Speaking of... Being able to rip things open, the Milwaukee Brewers did so with 1 Corbin Burns as it was a combined no-hitter for the Milwaukee Brewers, 3-0 the final. I know uh, there are quite a few people outraged that Corbin Burns did not get a chance to be able to finish this game. He winds up pitching 8 scoreless innings, 14 strikeouts, pulled after 8 innings with 115 pitches. Josh Hader gets his 31st save of the season as for the Cleveland Indians. Zach Plesac was not bad in this one. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six innings. From there, Blake Parker, Justin Garza, Brian Shaw. I'll give you a scoreless innings, but for the Cleveland Indians, they drew one walk that was from Miles Straw, and that was it. So the Milwaukee Brewers and Mr. Colbin Burns could not have been Any more dominant on this day. The Tampa Bay Rays were pretty gosh darn dominant as well. 7-2. They wind up taking down the Detroit Tigers for the Tigers. They wind up giving up just one home run in this one. Joey Wendell is tenth home run season. That winds up coming off of Brian Garcia. Who goes one and two-thirds innings. Giving up two runs. Casey Mize. You figured was going to be on a pitch slash innings count anyway. And he got lit up in this one. Giving up three runs over the course of two innings. From there, Ian Krull winds up giving you a third of an inning scoreless. You wind up having super long relief. From Drew Hutchinson, gives up a one run over the course of four innings, and then a run in an inning was given up by Drew Carlton, but... For the Detroit Tigers, not a lot of offense in this one. Lone form of it. Came in the ninth inning. A Robbie Grossman home run. His 23rd of the season. That comes off of Sharon Armstrong. You can tell that he's out there just to be able to fill innings for the Tampa Bay Rays. Was formerly with the poopy Baltimore Orioles. Still pretty poopy, but this was not so poopy as Chris Archer gets a start. Gives up one run over the course of four innings and then Dedrick Ennis was able to give you four scoreless innings out of the bullpen. So he was able to do a very good job in super long relief. This was not necessarily a good job though. The Colorado after being able to take down the Philadelphia Phillies on Friday. On Saturday, they did not have so much luck. They wind up losing by a count of 6-1 as the Phillies Get a pretty gosh darn solid start out of Zach Wheeler. He was wheeling and dealing. Giving up one solo home run over the course of six and two-thirds innings. That solo home run hit by Trevor Story. His 21st home run of the season. And for Kyle Freeland. Just the second time in his last 14 starts. In which he has given up more than three earned runs. Giving up four in total over the course of his six innings. Did serve up a home run in this one. Going deep off of him for the Philadelphia Phillies. With Gene Segura. His 12th of the season. And then Tyler Kinley. Really let up in this one. You had Brad Miller. Take him deep for his 18th home run season. And Bryce Harper was able to get his 31st home run season. And for Harper, I believe that he now has something like 14 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August. As for Kinley, gives up those pair of solo home runs over the course of his inning. And then you have Junior Fernandez giving you a scoreless inning up for the Philadelphia Phillies, running it out for them. Jose Alvarado gave you an odd out of the bullpen, and then Eckner Nares and Archie Bradley wind up cleaning up the eighth and ninth innings. The biggest underdog to be able to win on Saturday was from the National League East. That would be the Miami Marlins. They take down the Atlanta Braves by a count of six of four as for the Bravos. They were able to get to Eliezer Hernandez. Putting up three runs over the course of four and two thirds innings off of him, but then from there, Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender, both give you a scoreless sign. Dylan Floro does give up a run in the ninth, but it did not matter. Zach Pop also gave you four outs out of the bullpen for the Miami Marlins, despite not having Asus Aguirre out there. A trio of home runs. Brian De La Cruz his fourth home run season. That comes off of Richard Rodriguez. Rodriguez would serve one up to Asus Sanchez his ninth home run season. And then you would have the first home run of the season off of a little bit of an unfamiliar bat in Eddie Alvarez. As he was able to go deep that way, it's coming off of a one, Charlie Morton. And for Morton, gives up three runs over the course of seven innings. He's actually got a full point lower ERA when he's on the road rather than at home. Richard Rodriguez gives up those two solo runs over the course of his inning. And then Edgar Santana winds up giving up a run in an inning himself. And for the Atlanta brace they go 4-13 with Ben in scoring position, but were unable to get the big hit. You wound up seeing quite a big hit out there in Minnesota, though. 9-2 as the Minnesota Twins are able to take down the Kansas City Royals as Brady Singer while well, he was singing the blues. He gave up. Five home runs, six runs in total over the course of four and two thirds innings. You wind up having a scoreless inning out. Of Tyler Zuber, Wade Davis gives up three runs of his own in an inning, and then Kyle Zimmer one in a third inning scoreless. For the Royals, they were hoping for another Salvador Perez home run. He was unable to deliver. He stuck on 42. But for the Minnesota Twins, you wind up having Mr. Ode Palanco go deep twice, 28th and 29th home runs of the season by Ruxin, his 13th home run season. Max Kepler was able to get his 17th home run season and then the second of the campaign for Nick Gordon as for the Minnesota Twins a solid start from Michael Pineda his first in quite a while giving up one run over the course of five innings Danny Colombe closes out the final two innings giving up one run in the process and Luke Farrell and Caleb Theobar. We're both able to give you scoreless settings. The LA Angels were also a big underdog that wound up being able to get it done on Saturday. 4 to 2, they take down the Houston Astros. For one, Jose Suarez seems to be putting it together. Three runs for free were given up, and now each out of his last six starts, giving up one run in five and two thirds innings. Rossi Iglesias was able to get his 31st save of the season, giving up a run in the process, but C.C. Check gives you four outs of the bullpen, and Mike Myers gives you a scoreless setting. And Luis Renifo was able to get his fourth home run season. That comes off of Luis Garcia. Coming into this game, had right around 485 ERA on the road and a buck eighty three ERA at home. He gets lit up in this one. He gives up that home run. Four runs in total over the course of five innings. Brandon like in long relief was actually very solid, giving up Nothing in his three innings of work. And Blake Taylor was able to give you a scoreless inning. But for the Houston Astros, not a lot doing on offense. Two of eight with men in scoring position. And now they are five and seven in their last 12 games. So they've been slumping a little bit. The Washington Nationals have been slumping ever since the trade deadline. And it continued as the buckos of the Pittsburgh Pirates take it to them by kind of 10 to seven for Josiah Gray. He winds up getting lit up, giving up five runs over the course of five innings. His third straight start giving up at least five runs. Then four runs, two of which were earned, given up in a combined inning from Andres Machado along with Alberto Balladano. So they did not have the best go of it. Sam Clay gives up a run in an inning. And Ryan Harper was able to give you a scoreless inning, but that was a little bit too little too late as Ryan Zimmerman was able to give the Nationals a home run. His 13th home run season that comes off of Shelby Miller who, while he was with the Chicago Cubs, it was actually just remarkably bad. He winds up giving up the run in this one, but ever since he's gotten to the Pittsburgh Pirates, things have actually been a little bit better. He had a 4.50 ERA in four appearances going into this one as he wound up giving up that solo run, but needless to say, improvement is being made. Chris Rand and Kyle Keller, both are able to give you a scoreless thing. Jason Shreve gives up a run in an inning, and Will Crow, the starter, gives up three runs over the course of four innings, and Anthony Bond two runs in an inning, but... The team was able to get a pair of home runs. A rarity for a Pirates team that is dead last in the big leagues when it comes to home runs per game overall. Ben Gamel 7th home run season. And the lone guy currently in the roster with north 10 home runs so far this year, that would be Brian Reynolds he winds up being able to get his 23rd home run of the campaign. You wound up getting a whole bunch of runs in Game 2 of the Blue Jays versus the Baltimore Orioles. 11-2 the final. Marcus Simeon, 39th home run season. DeOscar Hernandez, 26th home run season. Bubba Chet, is 23rd and Alejandro Kirk was able to get his 8th as they wind up calling upon Mr. Thomas Hatch for the start in this one. Gives up one run over the course of four innings. Lone form of anything good for the Baltimore Orioles in this one was the fact that Cedric Bones was able to get his 29th home run season but for Keegan Aiken. He went six scoreless innings as I buried the lead on this one because it was 1-0 to Baltimore going into the top of the seventh. And then the Blue Jays got all those home runs and exploded for 11 runs in the seventh. That is absolutely ridiculous as Aiken winds up giving up three runs in that seventh inning without getting it out. Tanner Scott gives up six runs and got one out. And then it was Manny Bereda who wound up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. That is just absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen... A team down in the final innings put up an 11 spot. That has to be some sort of a first in baseball history, but it wound up happening. This wound up happening as well as the Seattle Mariners absolutely let the Arizona Diamondbacks take control. This was after six innings, but the Arizona Diamondbacks up 7-3 to three going into that seventh inning. It's Humberto Cassianos wound up giving up three runs over the course of five and the third innings in his start supplying a pair of home runs for the Seattle Mariners. Mitch Haniger. 31st home run season, and Jerry Kelnick his ninth, is 9th as Chris Flexen, who had given up two runs or fewer in all but two of his home starts so far this year, gets lit up giving up five runs over the course of five innings And in Justice Sheffield. From there, winds up giving up two runs in his inning as the Arizona Diamondbacks were able to get a home run off the bat of Dalton Barshow. His 10th home run season currently on their active roster. The Arizona Diamondbacks do not have a single guy with more than 12 home runs on the team, so that's obviously a little bit of an issue. What else is an issue? The San Diego Padres currently giving starts to Mr. Chris Paddock as he winds giving up four runs in four and two-thirds innings against the LA Dodgers. This is a game in progress, but unless if something strange happened, the Dodgers should be able to pull this one out as Fernando Tatis Jr. in the process was able to get his 38th home run of the season, so for those of you guys backing him with NL MVP futures, that is certainly encouraging. What else is encouraging for the New York Yankees is the fact that their bats were able to get online in a start by Taiwan Walker. It was another rough one for him, giving up five runs over the course of six innings. And for Taiwan Walker, he had given up six home runs in his first 17 starts of the year. Now you take a look at it between his very strange long relief appearance against the Miami Marlins through the rest of the season, so now his last 10 appearances in total. He has now given up a grand total of 14 home runs, so it is not going well there. For the New York Yankees, being able to go deep for them, Brett Gardner, the Gardner party. He was able to get his 8th home run season, Kylo Gashioka, his 10th, and then Aaron Judge would take him deep ones, and then he would go deep off of Trevor May in the 8th inning. For his 31st and 32nd home runs of the season, the home run in the 8th was a ahead home run, by the way, for Corey Kaluber. Not necessarily the start that he was hoping for. Gives up four runs over the course of four innings. He's been rough since coming off the injured list. And Lucas Lukey, Chad Green, Clay Holmes all come in for an inning. All give up approximately one run. So we saw a lot of like-mindedness from the New York Yankees. And the Red Sox versus White Sox game, as I'm recording this, is an extra innings with the Boston Red Sox. Up 9-8, and the White Sox threatening with Dylan Cease. This was a cease and desist start for him. He gives up seven runs in two and two-thirds innings, giving up a home run in the process. Going deep for the Boston Red Sox, you had Brian Shaw get his ninth home run of the season, and it was the first start for Connor Siebold. He winds up going just three innings, giving up two runs. Garrett Richards would wind up giving up five unearned runs. Rafael Devers wound up committing his 20th error out there in the field. And from there, the Red Sox have actually been relatively stable as Ryan Brazier does wind up giving up a home run being able to go deep for the White Sox in this one. Laurie Garcia, his fourth home run season and Yasmati Grandal, his 20th home run in the campaign. But as Robles and Michael Feliz, they were smiling with their scoreless innings. Garrett Woodlock, two scoreless innings and Josh Shaler Currently on as I do this, trying to close things out in the 10th inning, but men threatening there. And what else is threatening is your bankroll if you wound up taking a whole bunch of overs as the overs have not necessarily been coming through recently. Over the last 7 days, with a couple of results pending, we've seen 43 unders and 39 overs, and in that time span, favorites have dried up. 42 and 43 are favorites over the last seven days. So that's been rough. And home teams are 40 and 47. If you wind it out a little bit more over the last 30 days, things are a little bit more what you'd expect with favorites. They're hitting at a 59.6% clip, 232 and 157. Meanwhile, in that time span of the last 30 days, home teams 203 and 191, they've had a little bit of a tough time with it. And unders hitting at 54.4%, 202 and 169. And overall for the season, unders are certain to take a little bit of a lead on overs. 1,019 unders to 995 overs, so 50.6% hit rate to the under favorites for the year. 59.5% win rate, 1,245 and 848, and home teams 1,148 and 966. A little bit abbreviated because of the new show that we we'll wound up launching, but that's what we wound up seeing. In Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's take a look at Sunday's games. Let's get the perspective of a man that is doing some great work over there with FTM best. That would be Pat Mavichuk. He is going to be joining me next, right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network
1: Hotline. We're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guests as this man does a terrific job of breaking down baseball and so many other things over there at FTM Bets. First time we've had him on the podcast and looking forward to it. This guy does some great work. As it's Pat Mavichuk joining me on the podcast, you're able to follow him on Twitter, at Metz 2 and Pat, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Appreciate it, Greg. A long-time listener. Excited to be on for the first time. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you aboard, and it is great that we have been seeing some tremendous baseball action this season. It's one of these situations in which we can tell that there certainly is a little bit of a divide between the haves and the have-nots, I will say. The pitching matchups for Saturday were relatively solid, but When you just take a look at the initial card for Sunday, because we're noticing a lot of big lines, like you've got the Miami Marlins, who are going to be north of a $2 underdog. The Baltimore Orioles are still the Baltimore Orioles. The LA Angels are throwing out their Jaime Barilla. The list goes on and on. How do you wind up taking a look at boards like this, just because... It is a little bit tougher when you've got a lot of favorites that are right around minus $2, if not bigger favorites. i got to be honest, Greg, when I, when I see a lot of these lines, the underdogs, really no matter
2: who the team is, really stick out to me as the value in the bet. I mean, I know this late in the season, betting on any team like the Angels, the Orioles can, can be a little tough. But kind of just a personal individual rule, I don't like to lay more than maybe minus 150 on any typical bet. So seeing these almost plus 200 lines really makes me lean to the underdogs. But honestly, in a lot of them, I just, I just don't see enough of an edge where I actually want to play the game. I'm just kind of seeing the numbers line up
1: more towards the lower level teams, if you will. I don't blame you there. It's one of those cases in which I do wind up either taking a run line typically if you've got something like the Philadelphia Phillies laying 250 or I would wind up taking a look at the underdog with the Colorado Rockies. I'm not going to be laying like a north of minus $2 on a money line. So, sometimes you find a little bit of value if the line is a little bit north of minus 150 and the team is playing a lot of one on games. We've seen that from time to time, especially with the Seattle Mariners. But It's one of those cases in which I'm right there with you. It's probably an underdog, it's a run line, or you just wind up if you're someone that's not betting every side in total, just looking for a different game, to say the least. But what we also do have for Sunday is a couple of good matchups, I think, are going to be featuring some playoff teams, including the Battle of the Soxes. You've got the Boston Red Sox going up against the Chicago White Sox. And I think that this is such a fascinating game because with the Red Sox, as it stands right now, they're in line to get one of those wild card spots, but can't believe I'm saying it. The Seattle Mariners are still in the race. We've obviously got the Oakland A's. They wound up getting the Texas Rangers this weekend. That's a little bit of a confidence booster for them. And as we know, the Boston Red Sox, They've been dealing with COVID-19, and now they get Nick Pavetta back. How do you gauge this team, both on Sunday and moving forward? Because I think that they are the trickiest team to gauge because they've got a lot to play for, but at the same time, they don't have a lot of their key pieces out there due to them being ravaged by COVID. Yeah, i got to be honest, in this game, well, actually, let's kind of back up for a little bit, With the COVID issues, I feel like it, it hit the Yankees hard for a little bit, and I was getting a nice crack out of that being a Boston guy myself. The
2: bullet comes back around to, to bite you, and, yeah, the Sox certainly have dealt with COVID issues. They do get Pavetta back, and he's actually facing Lance, Land making his first start back off the IL. This is one, shockingly, where where I do like the Red Sox on the road here. I'm I'm seeing up up, up at plus 140 at uh, DraftKings. Just looking at the splits themselves, Pavetta on the road has actually been a very good starter. He's he's let up a 282 weighted on base average against. His FIPs all the way down at 356. And when you Compare that to what Lynn's been doing on the season for a long time. He was maybe not front runner, but in that two to four range for the AL Cy Young Award over his home start, his FIP is still 3 but it is a little higher than Pavetta's. And it'll be, like I said, his first start off the IL, the last six starts he's made. His ERA's ballooned up to a 4 8 his FIP's up to a four three two. And the last time we saw him, he only lasted five innings against the Cubs where he let up seven earned runs. This is a game, don't get me wrong, where both offenses are are heavy hitting. They've both been top five over the last 30 days, both top five against right-handed pitching and towards the the upper echelon of the league in most splits. But for me in this one, the plus 140, again, the value just happens to be on the Red Sox. And with Pavetta pitching so well at home, Lynn kind of being a question mark coming off the IL. We don't know how many innings he's going to last out there. This is one where I would like to roll the dice with Boston and, and see what they can get done. Now, I will say overall, in the playoff run, the way the Yankees and Sox are playing for a while, it, it really wouldn't have shocked me if it was a Toronto Seattle wildcard game, to be honest. But the Sox do have the advantage of having the easiest remaining schedule in the American League. Toronto's up there, they have the second least, and then the Yankees are kind of like, kind of about middle of the pack. So, the Yankees are in a good spot where they hold the second wild card team, but I wouldn't rule out Toronto. They got a pretty easy schedule coming up. They played a great series against New York, and it really seems like everything's going their way.
1: The Blue Jays did wind up wrapping up a series against the Baltimore Orioles, in which, well, you wound up having Robbie Ray lose one of those games. But with that said, you've got to figure that the Blue Jays should be able to bounce back in this spot. And I do agree with you. After they wind up playing the Tampa Bay Rays early on next weekend, I think that they wind up playing the Rays a little bit again. They are going to be getting some series with the Minnesota Twins, which should be a little bit of a confidence booster for them. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Pat Mavicek. He does a great job over there with FTM Bets. And Pat, one guy that I've really been taking a look at is Logan Webb. Logan Webb for the San Francisco Giants has been nothing short of amazing, and he's getting priced a little bit bigger in this spot. That's because he's going up against the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele going to be going for the Cubs, but with a guy like Logan Webb who's given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last 15 starts, the team is 14-1 and in his last 15. I would say this has come a little bit out of nowhere. I expected Logan Webb to be solid this year, but certainly not like at this sort of a pace, how do you wind up gauging these guys that it seems like towards the middle of the year, they're having a big turnaround, or in this case, much like many of the San Francisco Giants, just flat out having a career year? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big numbers guy and kind of a blind resume. I feel like
2: going kind of up until this, a lot of people would think Logan Webb would be dropping off, being a pretty good three starter, maybe. But I mean, he's been one of the best starters in the majors so far. And I think the biggest thing to it is, is his ground ball rate. 62% of batted balls for him end up being on the ground. His fly ball rate is under 12% unheard of. And I mean, you got a good defense like the Giants have behind him and keeping balls on the ground, pitching a contact will keep your pitch countdown. You can stay into games a lot longer. As he has been, he, I think out of 285 starters that have thrown 50 innings this year, his fifth is almost in the top 25 of them. So I mean, this season has really been nothing short of remarkable. And to be honest, looking at the numbers, I, I don't see it as a fluke. He he pitches to his strengths, he keeps the ball low, keeps the ball on the ground, and I think that's how we've seen success for a lot
1: of the year. I agree with you. Logan Webb has been incredibly impressive with that regard. And something else I like that you brought up a little bit earlier, you were touching upon this with Nick Bavetta, is the fact that he has been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. As a matter of fact, quite a bit better on the road than he has been at home. And then you've got the exact opposite with, ironically enough, a team that is in the division. You've got Luis Patino going for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's going to be going up against Tariq Skubal of the Detroit Tigers. With Skubal, wound up having a very rough start to begin the year. The team was 0-8 in the first eight games in which he wound up pitching in. And ever since then, they have been able to right the ship whenever he's been out there. They've got a winning record ever since then. And when you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays and Mr. Patino, he has been able to do a tremendous job in Tampa Bay, but he's got a north of five ERA on the road. How do you wind up gauging some of these home and road splits? Do you sort of take a little bit of more of a middle approach with them, or do you wind up thinking that it's tried and true that there are some guys that they just wind up struggling on the road? I try to take more of a
2: middling approach, especially
1: for guys with such
2: enormous home road splits. I mean, you do have your pitcher every now and then who you get your Jekyll and Hyde performances from, but... I think for a lot of these home and road splits, the home field of the starter ends up being such a pitcher friendly park that I think it kind of sways your stats into thinking you perform so much better at home versus the road when maybe the confines of your home park are a little friendlier. With Piccino, for example, Tropicana is one of the more pitcher friendly parks in the league. So for me, at least, it doesn't. Surprise me all that much that his home stats are a little better than his road ones, but I mean also with that being said, you can see how bad he's been on the road, and it is slightly alarming. You said Scrubble got off to a, a bad start this year. But over his last six starts, he's got a three-five-two ERA, and his fifths under four. Comerica is actually the fifth best park in the majors to the under. Both of these offenses over the last week have been extremely lucky. I think they have both top three BABIPs in the majors. So even with Patino's horrible road splits in this one, I'm actually tempted to target the full game under here.
1: I don't blame you there. This has been a Detroit Tigers team that just has not gotten the deep ball in general recently. Jonathan Scope, I think, has three home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August, so he certainly has got a little bit cold with the bat. Eric Koss has been in and out of the fold, so certainly do not blame you for that look there. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Pat Mavicek, does a great job over there with FTM Bets. And, Pat, when you take a look at what we might wind up getting in the postseason, is there a team that you think might be a little bit better-slash- Worse for being able to have success out there because I've been really talking about this on the podcast quite a bit. The fact that I think that the Milwaukee Brewers have a good shot of being able to make a run in the postseason just because you do have those front line starters now. The way that Freddie Peralta's look coming off of the injured list is a little bit concerning, but even with how Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer have have performed in their recent starts, even if you don't wind up getting what you need out of Freddie Peralta, I think that they're going to be just fine with that regard. I don't know if there's a team or two that you think could be able to wreck the apple cart because I think that so many people are looking at this as being like Dodgers or bust. but is there a team or two that you're looking at and you think that they could be able to make a nice run in the postseason I gotta agree with you on there I, th- I think the Brewers have a great chance I mean everybody knows the old adage
2: pitching wins championships for an underlooked matchup that I wouldn't be surprised to see in the World Series I would look for a Tampa versus Milwaukee both of these teams kind of have the lineups that are made up of pieces, so to say, and, and more underdog names. They work together in an offense. They surprisingly have good offensive numbers. But when you flip it up to their pitching staff, Milwaukee's top three, Harold Woodruff and Corbin Burns, I mean, I don't think you could beat it. They're probably three of the top 10 pitchers in the majors. And then you go to the back end of the pen with Hayter and Devin Williams. And first inning to ninth inning, they got one of the best staffs they can throw out there at you. And in terms of Tampa, they might not necessarily have the notable names for starters outside of Glasno, if and when he comes back. But they have such a way of using their guys together, of, of using their bullpen. Kevin Cash is great at bullpen management. And I think both of these teams could see deep runs into the playoffs, to be honest with you.
1: I do agree with you. I've been saying it myself. I think that we might be able to get that Brewers versus Rays World Series. And a lot of people thought earlier in the year we might be able to get the Padres in the World Series. Now it's just a matter of whether or not they are going to be able to make the postseason all together as they're going to be having a tough matchup on Sunday with Max Scherzer going out there for the Dodgers, Blake Snell for the Padres. But if there is signs of encouragement for the Padres, it is that Blake Snell has looked better recently. I still remember even as recently as three weeks ago, this was a guy that had a 7 ERA on the road. Meanwhile, at home, it was more like a two, three, two, four. That has settled down a little bit. Do you think that we're seeing a full rebirth of Blake Snell? And how do you wind up gauging the Padres moving forward? Because I think even more concerning than the pitching woes of guys like Snell and company is that this is a bunch that, going into Saturday, scored the fewest runs per game since the beginning of the month of August of any team in the National League and that includes the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you don't want to be down there. Yeah, definitely not. You got guys
2: like Snell and Darvish at the, at the top of your rotation. Your game plan should be to limit the opposing team to as many as few as runs as possible, and see if you can scratch out a few yourself. That clearly just hasn't been the case. Snell's been turning it around recently, but the overall workload of his season has just been so negative that for me, at least it would need to take a little bit more than just a few good starts to kind of piece it back together. The Padres for me, at least maybe to make a bet to get into the playoffs or if you're expecting them to get in, that'd be a team that I would stay far away from. They have the hardest remaining strength of schedule none of their remaining opponents are considered easy. They hold a, 0.001% 0.001% winning percentage lead over the Reds for the second wild card spot, you flip the script down to them, the Reds have the second easiest remaining schedule in the entire league. And if you want to go a step further, the Phillies have the easiest remaining schedule and they're only three and a half games out of the wild card. So, I mean, if I was a Padres fan, I would not have high hopes right now. They need to turn it around and turn it around quick.
1: On both sides of the ball, to be honest with you. And and if the
2: hitting's not clicking, in my eyes, their pitching just isn't performing well enough right now to carry them into
1: playoffs. When you have to trot out their guys like Ryan Weathers and company, it certainly is not necessarily going well for you. Weathers looked good at the beginning of the year, but much like his name, he just has not been able to weather the storm, to say the least. <laughs> it has happened great there. And Pat, when you take a look at the board for Sunday, is there anything that in particular that you might be keying in on that we haven't talked about, whether that be a bet on an individual game? Maybe it's just taking a look at a team for futures bets, what have you? Anything really catching your eye? Um, if,
2: if you want to make a bet for a team to, to get into the playoffs, like I said, I think Toronto could be a, a team that could sneak in there just based off their strength of schedule, how they've been playing against good teams. They've actually had kind of a bugaboo against the Orioles of all teams so far this year, but they've been hitting well. They just have that kind of X factor, I feel like, that the last team or two to sneak in the playoffs typically has. They're playing well at the end of the year. Toronto would be a team that, if I could find a little bit of a plus money, maybe plus 105, plus 110 to get into the playoffs, I might be thinking to look to lay some money on them. But honestly, this Sunday board, like you were saying, the lines are just so big that there's not a ton of value that I see anywhere out there. If I were to maybe look at anything, the Red Sox, again, at plus 140 offers pretty decent value against the White Sox. We're not sure what we're going to get from Lynn for his first start off the IL. But other than that, I think I might wait to see what the what the actual lineups are before placing any bets for this board, because I, I was not a fan of the numbers early here.
1: Yep, and as we know, if there is a day in which... Guys wind up getting a day off more often than others. It is on Sundays because it is a little bit of a travel day. You get a lot of day games. So that is a good look there. And Pat, I know that you're doing a great job over there at FDM Bets. I know that you're primed up for the NFL season. I know that all of you guys over there are going to be doing a tremendous job there. Day in and day out, you do a great job. We'll be able to take a look at the MLB betting board as well. And you do a wide variety of things. I know you target a good variety of bets as well. So let the good people at home what you've got going on right now and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms yeah I mean like Greg said you can catch me over at FTN bets doing a lot of uh, MLB work
2: for them post all my picks to the to the bet tracker they have over there and you can follow me on Twitter at patty mats 2 for in- the day analysis I sweat out games with uh, with you guys if you're following me but yeah appreciate you having me on Greg it's kind of good to be welcomed into this world it's my first public appearance to to be asked to come on.
1: Great to be able to have you aboard. Pat is doing some absolutely terrific job over there with FTM Bets. I know that we've had good luck on this podcast whenever Joe Gallant has joined me as well. Pat is a good friend over there. They both work together. They both do great work. And it is great to be able to get Pat Mavichuk on this podcast. Does an absolutely terrific job. You can see from his picks history that he has had a lot of success. Does a good job of being able to zone in on underdogs and did a great job on the podcast today. So, big thanks to Pat for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time, the podcast, they give you a signed journal on every game on the betting board for this Sunday and a little something like call, touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
1: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to get Pat Medvichuk on the podcast. He does a great job over there with FTM Bets. Was his first time on the podcast, and I'm sure it's not going to be his last. He does a great job over there. I know that he's getting primed up for an NFL Sunday as well. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you signed total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday. And a little something like call touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
1: Do note that any changes are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom, and as per usual, if we do wind up having changes to these, they are also going to be noted up on the spreadsheet, and we are going to be diving right into it with that first National League game, 901-902 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the road face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bryce Wilson goes for the Buccos. Meanwhile, Patrick Corbin, be on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Nationals, anywhere between minus 119 and minus 125 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Buckos, it's anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110 with 9 being your total. Under's any anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Overs between minus 105 and minus 110. Wilson's really been able to put it together for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Meanwhile, for Patrick Corbin, he has been one of the worst pitchers in baseball. I have no idea what's happened to him. He really hasn't seen a velocity to play anything like that. He just has stunk this year. A 7-14 record with a 6-14 ERA. He leads the National League, giving up 34 home runs so far this year, and it gets worse on the road. 6.42 ERA. He's given up 18 bombs in 67 and a third innings. Opponent starting at 268 off of him on the road compared to a 3 at home, but he also gets fewer swings and misses. Meanwhile, you take a look at Wilson, and it hasn't been great by any means, but at the same time, he's given up four runs or fewer, and every one of his starts with the Pittsburgh Pirates. As a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates, he's got an ERA that is... Hovering right around about a 4-4-ish. So, it's been really a lot of meh for him. He's given up four home runs over the course of his last six starts. So, nothing great, nothing terrible. He doesn't necessarily have demonstrative home and road splits. And you take a look at the Pirates' offense. And to say that it's not great would be quite generous. Because you do have quite a few guys that have struggled this year. But you have been able to get something out of Yoshi Satsugo. In about four weeks with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he's got seven home runs. Now, he, you're able to throw in there Cole Tucker, Michael Perez, Coy Park, Kai tom the list goes on and on of guys hitting a 2.15 or lower overall for the year, but you can call him right back, Sing at 280, Cabrian Ace, Ben Gamble. These guys are in between a 245 and a 260. Warmer default when he's out there. So maybe we'll give you a tad bit of something. And Brian Reynolds hitting right around a 300. He is the only guy currently on the active roster with Gregory Polanco dealing with injury with the double digit model former. So he's got 22. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals and he's got a pair of guys with 25 plus home runs in Josh Bell and Juan Soto. Soto entered into yesterday, by the way, with a 450 on base. That is absolutely amazing. LCDs Escobar, Yadiel Hernandez, both in between a 265 and a 275. Carter Keyboom and Lane Thomas overall for the year. Hitting about a 240 but since Thomas has come over from the St. Louis Cardinals has been able to really find it hitting above a 300. You take a look at both of these bullpens and both have some good guys. David Bernard has been able to give you a bit of something for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I do like what you've been able to get out of Chase and Shreve as well. Chris Ryan is a little bit up and down and is able to lend length And for the Washington Nationals, you've got Wander. I swear this guy sucks. He's got a 637 ERA. Kyle Finnegan, though, he's got a sub-3 ERA. Mason Thompson's been a little bit up and down, but I like what you're getting there along with Ryan Harper. So, it's a spot in which they wound up saying the Pirates as a slight favorite because I have absolutely no faith here in Patrick Corbin. And the solo 8.7 just because the Pirates are relatively light in a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. So taking the under along with the Buccos. 903-904 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phillies. Ryan Feltner is going to be going for the Rockies. The Rockies are finding themselves as a big underdog. Plus two fifteen to plus two twenty five is your price. Meanwhile the Phillies anywhere between minus two forty five and minus two sixty five is what you're getting there. half is your total. Over is between minus one ten and minus one fifteen. is anywhere between minus one oh five and minus one ten. And if you're taking a look at the run line of the Phillies, that is right around minus one twenty across the board. I was willing to lay north of a minus one thirty on that run line. Didn't necessarily see it with the money line, so gonna be taking a look at a Phillies run line. You take a look at Feldner and at the minor league level, he wasn't necessarily so great and it's just a little bit of a rocky go of it because he spent a lot of his time at the Double A level. It's a very dramatic jump, and now you have to go up against Philadelphia. If you feel you seem that. On the road, they've been shaky, but I don't, they've been relatively rock solid, a 39-30 team. And I will say, for the Colorado Rockies, they got off to a a cataclysmically bad road start. Going into yesterday, they had started out 6-33 on the road, and ever since then, 14-17. 14-17 isn't great, but at the same time, it is relatively respectable. Unlike Feldner's 20.25 ERA that he wound up getting in his first start, so that's not great. But what is pretty solid is the fact that for the Philadelphia Phillies, you've got Bryce Harper really firing all cylinders at this point. Hitting above a 3 had 30 home runs going into yesterday. You take a look at what he's been able to do ever since the beginning of the month of August going into yesterday. 14 home runs and hitting about a 325 in that time span. Andrew McCutcheon's only hitting a 220, but he's been able to supply the boom. He's been able to give you 24 home runs right around a 335-ish on base. Then you got a tree of guys hitting between about a 250 to a 260 in JT Mito, Ronald Torres, and Odubo Herrera. And then when you take a look at Gene Segura, he hasn't necessarily been able to do a great job with regards to home run ball, but at the same time, 295 certainly getting the job done and for the Colorado Rockies. This team is deadliest in the big leagues when it comes to batting average on the road. Now, I will say some of these guys are starting to come around. For CJ Crone, overall this year, he has had 18 out of his 27 home runs come at home, but I believe that five of his home runs on the road have come in the last 12 games, so that has been better. Trevor Story sitting right around the Mendoza line on the road compared to a 300 at home, but he had a home run earlier in this series, so you're seeing some encouraging signs from this team. And for the Colorado Rockies, the big thing is, this bullpen is up and good. Daniel Bart on the road has nearly a 10 ERA. That is very concerning. Carlos Aceves is giving games away. Left and right, Lucas Gilbreth has not necessarily been great. Then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, and Archie Bradley certainly has had his trials and tribulations recently. Bailey Falter has faltered for this team, but I do like which you've been able to get a J.D. Hammer so far this year. So I do take a look at this spot and I do think that Aaron Supernola is going to be Mr. Super. He's got some good home numbers and some bad road numbers. 556 road ERA, 333 home ERA, in his 12 home starts so far this year. He's given up eight home runs and 11 walks in 70 and a third innings. The walks double on the road. He's given up 15 home runs in 87 and a third innings away from Philadelphia. So I do think that that dominance is going to continue. I'm going to be taking a shot on the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies. And when it comes to this total set it at 9.1 because I do think that Mr. Feldner gets lit up. But I think that the Rockies are starting to find a little bit more offense on the road. So going over along with the Phillies run line, 9-5, and 6 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins set the road to face off. against the Atlanta Braves. Max Fried is going to be going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, Edward Cabrera is going to be on the bump for the Miami Marlins. Marlins find themselves between plus 210 and plus 220 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Bravos, it is anywhere between minus 245 and minus 260, with 8 being your total, over and under, both at minus 110, and for Mr. Edward Cabrera, it certainly has not necessarily been the world's best run of it for him at the big league level. Was able to do a great job at the minor league level, but he's got a 7-11 ERA. That means that he's always open to giving up runs. He's given up four home runs over the course of 12 and two-thirds innings, and when you're making your home starts in Miami, and that's Very pitcher-friendly. That is an issue. Meanwhile, you take a look at Freed, and he has been so much better in Atlanta than he has been on the road. 297 home ERA, 390 road ERA. Give it up four home runs at 69 and two thirds innings at home. 10 bombs at 67 innings on the road. And opponents are at a 228 off of them in Atlanta compared to a 259 on the road for the Atlanta Braves. The bullpen has been able to do a relatively solid job. Tyler Madzik has really been able to come around for this team. He's had a very good stretch recently. I do like what you've been able to get out of someone, even like an AJ Mintar since he's come off the injured list. Prior to going on the injured list, a little bit of a rough go of it for him and Will Smith. These teams always make things interesting, but what else is interesting is all these guys for the Atlanta Braves with at least 26 home runs. Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall, along with Ozzy Albies. For Albies, along with Dansby Swanson, both in between about a 255 to a 260. And then you've got Mr. Ode, Solaire with 23 home runs. But what's really impressive about him is that ever since the beginning of the month of July, he's been able to pound out 16 of those with Freeman and Riley. Both of these guys are north of a 290. And then you take a look at the Miami Marlins, and they're currently without the Asus Aguiar, and that's the only guy in this roster with north of 50 RBI. Jazz Chislam is now the only guy in the starting lineup with more than nine home runs so far this year. He's been able to belt out 15. Now, you've got Miguel Rojas, he's hitting at 270, and then Jesus Sanchez, Lewis Brinson, Long Alfaro Alfaro, only between about a 230 and 245. And Brian David Cruz is sitting at 335. But then you take a look at the bullpen of the Miami Marlins. should be pretty formidable. Anthony Bender has been able to do a nice job all season long. He's got an the that hovers right around 270. Steven O'Curt. And Zach Thompson also giving you some very good innings. And then you've even had Dylan Floro be able to do a. It- solid job for this team. So I do take a look at the Miami Marlins and they are certainly oak gun when it comes to the starting rotation. The offense has certainly not been there as well, but I do think that this is a case in which Cabrera is going to get lit up. So I did wind up saying this all 8.7 going to be going over on the money line. I set the Braves more around to minus 240, but if you're taking a look at the run line, you're getting this between minus 115 and minus 120. I'm certainly willing to take that. I was willing to lay more like a minus 135 to a minus 140 in this spot. So I'm taking the Braves on the run line and I'm going to be taking this little over. 9 7908 on the board. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to be playing those to the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Sonny Gray getting the start. Meanwhile, Jay App hopes to not be hapless for the St. Louis Cardinals. 8.5 is your total. The over and under are both at minus 110. If you're looking at the red legs, you're going to be getting them between minus 135, minus 140 plus price with the Cardinals. is between plus 120 and plus 125. For app, he has been much less hapless with the St. Louis Cardinals rather than when he was with the Minnesota Twins. His last 16 starts with the Minnesota Twins. He had an ERA north of 8 and he was giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. Meanwhile, you do take a look at Sonny Gray and it's been a little bit of a hilly season for him to say the least. Certainly some ups and downs but you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road and it's been really solid. 465 home ERA, 302 road ERA. In 10 road starts, he's given up 4 home runs in 53 and 2 thirds innings. 11 home runs given up in 60 innings at home. And when it comes to his opponent's batting average, 222 on the road. With Hap, it certainly has been interesting for him because he's he's gotten ERA ever since coming to St. Louis of a 472, but really it was pretty much all as a result of one bad inning. You take a look at what wound up happening to him, ironically enough, against the Reds in a start on September 1st. Gave up 7 runs in an inning. Really past that. He has given up Two runs or fewer in five out of his six other starts with this team. So he has been able to do a solid job there. Has been able to limit the walks as well. He's been giving up right around three-ish walks per nine innings. And he's backed up by a Cardinals bullpen that it certainly has been up and down. TJ McFarlane along with Luis Garcia. Have come to the forefront from the scene, but Genesis Cabrera, a north of 60 RA over the last 45 days for this bunch. You've certainly had ups and downs with Alex Reyes. He's no longer in the closer spot. Cordy Whitley is someone that you're going to be looking at as well. And then for the Reds, you have been able to sure things up with Luis Sessa and Michael Givens out there in the back end, but Brian Brock, ever since coming off the the... He has been brock and rolled. It has not been great. Michael Lorenz is able to give you a tad bit of something, but you're still without TJ Anton, who I felt like was a very good bullpen piece for this team. When it comes to this Reds offense, you've been without Jesse Winker for quite a while, and looks like you're probably going to be without him for quite a bit more, but you take a look at what you've been able to get at the top, end, you've got a quadrant of guys. Enjoy Vado, Nick Cassianos, along with Jonathan India and Max Schrock. We'll all have at least a 360 on base. For India, he has been able to give you 19 home runs at the leadoff spot for Cassianos and Vato. Both of these guys between 27 and 30 home runs. And for Votto, he leads the National League in home runs ever since the All-Star break. Mike Bousakis has been banged up all year long, but just being able to get his back, back in the fold, that is very good. And then Taylor Naquin, he has been cooling down a little bit, but you take a look at what he's been able to do ever since the beginning of the month of August, and he is hitting well north of a 335. So this is a case in which I do feel like the Reds should be a favorite. Favorite. The question is, how much of HAP can we think is real and how much of it is maybe a little bit of a blur? I was willing to take the Cardinals as long as I was getting at least a plus 125. We have barely gotten there on the St. Louis Cardinals, so I'm going to be taking that. When it comes to this total, set this at a little bit north of 9. So, going to be going over along with the cards. 909, 910 is the New York Post play today as the San Francisco Giants going to be hitting the road face off against the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs. Logan Webb is going to be on the bum for the San Francisco Giants. With the Giants, you're going to be finding them. And we're between minus 205 and minus 220 favorites. And we're between plus 180 and plus 188 is the plus price on the Cubs. There's currently no total up on this game because a lot of bookmakers wait until the AM. But that's where I'm going to be looking with the New York Post pick. Because when it comes to... This game, I think that whether the wind is blowing out or not, Logan Webb is going to be able to do a great job of being able to generate ground balls. We were talking about this with Pat in the last segment. and. When I take a look at it, I think that we're going to get another under out of Logan Webb, which is going to be the New York Post pick because you take a look at the Giants' last 10 games whenever Logan Webb has hit the mound, nine of them have went under. Logan Webb has given up three runs or fewer. In each out of his last 15 starts, he has allowed approximately three in just one of them. That was at elevation in Coors Field in seven innings, which that's more like two runs in pretty much any other ballpark. And you take a look at Justin Seale as well. And he's been pretty solid for the Chicago Cubs ever since he has been able to get some starts. He's made five total starts, and he's given up three runs or fewer in all but one of them. Hasn't necessarily lent a lot of length as he's went five innings or fewer in all of them. But with that said, with the Cubs, this is still a team that, despite all the moves that they want making at the trade deadline, they've actually been league average when it comes to the bullpen. Now, they did wind up using up a bunch of arms yesterday because... Zach Davies got absolutely destroyed, but it's not like you were trotting out there necessarily. The top guns of the top guns, Manuel Rodriguez, Ed Bear Rex Brothers, they wanted coming into the game yesterday, so that means that Adam Morgan is going to be a guy that they're likely going to be looking to in this one. Cody Hoyer, ever since coming over from the Chicago White Sox, has actually been very good for this team. With the Chicago Cubs, he's actually got a 0.90 ERA after having a north of five with the... Chicago White Sox, and for the San Francisco Giants, this bunch has the best bullpen ERA in the big leagues. you have had so many guys be able to come in and get the job done. Jarlon Garcia night in and night out has been great. Dominique Leon, who wound up getting the start a few days ago. He has been great. Tyler Rogers has been able to get it done. So I do take a look at the Giants and that certainly is helping out their cause. Now with the San Francisco Giants, you just got a team that they know their role. They've got a whole bunch of guys that are able to be just really consistent home run hitters. All these guys have between 15 and 25 home runs. Chris Bryant, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Mikey Sremski, Buster Posey, Lamonte Wade, Wilmer Flores, Darren Ruff, and then you got Evan Longoria with 11 because he's had fewer than 200 at-bats. So all these guys are doing a great job with Longoria. He's hitting right around 295 along with Brandon Crawford. You've got Buster Posey hitting a 300. So this is just a machine of a lineup. And then you take a look at the Cubs and you've been able to get something out of Frank Schwindel. I give Schwindel quite a bit of credit. This man has been able to give you seven home runs over the last two weeks. Ian Happ has picked it up as well. He's got a double-digit amount of formers ever since the beginning of the month of August. Rafael Ortega is hitting a 280 for this punch, but you've also got a lot of slugs in this lineup as well. Wilson Contreras has a 330 on base, but it's only a 225 David Bode, Jason Award, both of the Romines, Sergio Alcantara, all these guys are hitting a 220 or lower. And they're giving Nick Martini a shot, and he's hitting a 067 so far this year in a small sample size. So the New York Post play today is going to be an under. I'm seeing the wind blowing out a tad And with the wind blowing out at 10, I set this total at eight. If it winds up not blowing out, this probably sinks to right around a seven and a half-ish. So I've got to think that we're going to be looking at a nice differential there. And when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, Trust me, I'm going to be looking at the run line in this spot with the way that Logan Webb has been pitching, so that's where we're going to be looking at. We currently don't have run lines just because we currently don't have a total up on this game. 9-11, 12 on the betting board. The San Diego Padres, the face off against the LA Dodgers. Mad Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Dodgers. Blake Snell, on the bump for the Padres. Padres are finding themselves as underdogs of anywhere between plus 165 and plus 175. Meanwhile, with Mad Max and company, it's anywhere between minus 186 and minus 195. 7.5 is your total over and under both anywhere between one 105 and minus 115 for the Dodgers. It has been a good run of it for them against the Padres going into yesterday. They had won four straight in the series, and this is a Dodgers bunch in which they have played three out of their last 24 games going into yesterday, with it either being a push or an under on the total. And you just take a look at all these mashers, and you've got a whole lot of guys at your disposal. As You've got Chris Taylor, Mookie Betts, Max Muncie, Trey Turner down for what? Justin Turner down for what? Will Smith. All these guys, at least 19 home runs so far this year. They're all hitting above a 255. You take a look at Albert Pujols as well. Double-digit Montaformers. Ever since he's come over to LA, you've got a team that is just firing all cylinders. And you've got a Padres team that, going into yesterday, fewest runs per game of any team out there in the National League since the beginning of the month of August. You just have not been able to get a lot out of the big acquisition at the deadline in Adam Frazier. He's been hitting about a 235 to a 240 ever since coming over to the team now. You've got a lot of guys hitting between, I would say, about a 269 to a 280 and Eric Cosmer, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., Austin Super Nola, and for Machado, he's been able to give you 24 home runs Tatis Jr., 37 of them, but you can tell that this is a team that they're able to get on base, but they're unable to really drive in those runs with the Padres. Their bullpen ERA has been pretty league average ever since the beginning of the month of August, and going into August, it was number one in the big leagues. These guys have just been used up a little bit too much. You've still been able to get some good innings out of guys like Austin Adams, Pierce Johnson, and company, but you can tell that Emilio Pagan has gotten a little bit worn out, because Salmon has just been used and used and used, and for the Dodgers, this is a team that ranks at the top three in bullpen ERA, both in the last three days and overall, This despite the fact that you take a look at the names, and not too many of them are recognizable. Blake Tryon has been solid, Kenley Jansen, we all know about the ups and downs that he's had, but you even take a look at someone like a Phil Pickford, he has been very good for this team. Pursuitor Gratterall has come off the injured list, he has looked very solid ever since, and Alex Vazia, a sub-three ERA, so... With Max Scherzer going on the mound, and Scherzer has been having himself a really good run of things ever since he wound up getting to L.A. He has given up in all of his starts as a Dodger. Two runs or fewer in every one of them. As a matter of fact, he has given up a combined five runs in seven starts. The team is 7-0 and in these starts. Uh, you've got to be taking a look at them and if you take a look at Scherzer's starts, the total has either pushed or went under in five out of the last six. And then you've got a guy in Blake Cell that seems to be figuring it out on the road. It certainly has been tough for him on the road so far this year. Six eighteen road ERA two fifty home ERA giving up ten home runs of fifty-nine and two-thirds innings. And the walks per nine rate is really the most concerning for me. That is north of six whenever he's on the road. But you take a look at what he's done recently on the road. He has given up a combined three runs in his last three starts. You're able to to go back a little bit further. I combined four runs in his last four starts on the road now. Part of it is the competition going up against the Arizona Diamondbacks twice going up against the Miami Marlins. That certainly does help you out, but I do think that you're starting to figure a little bit of something out, but I just think that the Dodgers at this point are a far superior team. On the money line, I set this right around at minus 185 with the Dodgers. I did wind up making it a 7.9. I think that we've run a little bit too low on the 7.5, so I'm going to be taking a look at that over, but getting a plus price on the Dodgers, I was willing to lay about a minus 120. I'm going to be taking the plus price of the Dodgers on the run line to go along with that over. 913, 940 on the bank board. The Toronto Blue Jays set the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Zach Lothar is going to be going for the Orioles. Meanwhile, Steven Matz on the bump for the Blue Jays. Jays are finding themselves between minus 215 and minus 225. Meanwhile, for the Orioles, it's between plus 185 and plus 196, with them being your total over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders between even a minus 110 for the Orioles. They've actually been able to generate a couple wins here against the Toronto Blue Jays, which find to be a little bit surprising because the Blue Jays, they've got this great run differential, but they don't seem to be able to execute, and with Steven Mads, it's one of these guys in which he will look very, very good for a stretch, and then he'll give you a big, giant clunker, and that could be the case here because Mads has given up a combined five runs in his last five starts. The team is only three and two in them, which that's a shame on the Blue Jays because he has actually been pitching really well, giving up one home run in this time span. He has given up zero walks in three out of his last four starts. Now, the other start he wound up giving up four in, but Still, he has been able to do a great job of being able to eliminate that. And when you take a look at Steve Mass uh, in True Road Games, a 338 Road ERA, 8 4 record has given up seven home runs in 74 and two-thirds innings with 15 walks. Both are very solid. And he's going up against a guy in Lothar that did actually provide a very good start against the Kansas City Royals. Did not wind up getting the win, but gave up one run over the course of six innings. But still, this is a man that has given up through his career. Three home runs and six walks and 14 and a third innings. It's a small sample size. He didn't necessarily perform too well at the minor leagues. And he's backed up by a bullpen that it's not great. Cole Solzer has actually been very good for the Baltimore Orioles. Sanders Scott is giving you a little bit of something, but Fernando Abad, he is very uh, bad. You've got a Baltimore Orioles team that really had to dive into their bullpen with the double dip yesterday. And for the Blue Jays, they wound up having to use quite a few guys in that double dip as well. You wound up having Ross Serpone come in in long relief along with Nate Pearson, so that's not necessarily ideal. Adam Simber, it's not necessarily looked like himself, but you do take a look at this Toronto Blue Jays lineup, and you've got Flair Guerrero Jr. Now at 43 home runs, going into game two of that double header, Boba Oscar Hernandez. Both of these guys are in between a 285 and a 300. Both of these guys have given you 21 plus home runs. Lourdes Gurriel is now hitting a 280. Alejandro Kirk is just behind him with that. George Springer is back at the fold. Ever since the All-Star break, he has been one of the top hitters with regards to home runs on a per-at-bat basis. Then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and you've got a trio of guys. Ryan Moncastle, Trey Boomo Mancini, and Cedric Mullins, who have all been able to give you at least 21 home runs so far this year in the case of Mountcastle and... Mullins, both of these guys, 27 home runs. And then with Mancini, Mount Castle, Austin, the Sayers kid, Anthony Santander, these guys are in between about a 245 and a 265. Roman Urias is back, he's hitting a 275. And then you've got a lot of guys that, well, they need to pick it up. Domingo Leyba, Kelvin Gutierrez, Austin Wins, Richie Martin, Ryan McKenna, DJ Turn It Up, Stewart. All these guys, a 220 or lower. So I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Steven Mads might be doing for a little bit of regression, but I have absolutely no faith here in Mr. Lawther. I needed north of a plus 225 to be able to take a shot here on the Orioles. So you take a look at the run line of the Blue Jays, finding that at a minus 140. Was willing to lay up to about a minus 146 in this spot. So I'm going to be taking the Blue Jays on the run line. Also did wind up saying the solid at 10.6. So going over along with that run line. 915, 916 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Raids set the road face off against the Detroit Tigers. Luis Patino is going to be going for the Rays. Meanwhile, you've got Tariq Skubal on the bump for the Detroit Tigers. Tigers find themselves as underdogs of between plus 130 and plus 139. And if you're looking to lay it with the Rays, you're going to be laying anywhere between a minus 147 and a minus 151, with 9 being your total. Overs between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 110. And for Patino, I was mentioning it a little bit earlier with our man Pat. It certainly has been a case in which he has performed very much better in Tampa Bay rather than on the road. And he's going up against a guy in Tariq Skubal that has been able to lead his team to quite a few victories after a very rough start to begin the year. Now, Skubal, he has given up 31 home runs over the course of 136 innings. And this is a raised team that they actually lead the big leagues with regards to runs per game. I think that a lot of people would be surprised, but for Skubal, 386 home ERA, 502 road ERA. He's given up 13 home runs at 84 innings at home. That is 18 and 52 on the road. So, Hasn't been great at being able to reduce the long ball at home, but certainly better than when he's away from his friendly confines. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Patino, and this is someone with a 692 road ERA, a 291 home ERA, giving up five home runs at both locations, has pitched a couple more innings at home, but opponents are getting a 264 off of him whenever he is on the road, so that is a little bit of a concern. Now the Tampa Bay Rays, they were able to take it to the Detroit Tigers yesterday, and you've got a pair of guys in Brandon Lau, along with Mike Zanino, who both have 29-plus home runs for you, Nelson Cruz along with awesome Meadows. Both have 24 plus home runs, so these guys will be able to get the job done with Cruz along with Randy Orozarena and Joey Wendell. All these guys are in between a 275 and a 280. You've got Yandy Diaz who's got right around a 255 batting average, but more like a 360 on base. Brandon Lowe is hitting about a 240 but he's got a 340 on base and then you've got a Detroit Tigers team that they've been in a little bit of a power outage recently. Jonathan Scope four home runs over the last 60 days for this team. Now he is hitting at 280. You've got quite a few guys hitting in the neighborhood about a 245 to about a 265. Miguel Cabrera, Akil Badu, Victor Reyes. They find themselves in that neighborhood. Robbie Grossman sitting more like a 240, but 355 on base. Along Jameer Candelario sitting at 275. And for Grossman and Eric Koss, both of these guys between 21 and 23 home runs apiece. And for the Tigers, I will give them credit. Top eight bullpen with regards to ERA. Ever since the All Star break, they have been without Ian Kroll for quite a while. But at the same time, Jose Cierno, aside from a few days ago, has really been able to step up for the team. Gregory Soto's giving you some good innings. There's a chance that he might be available for this game, so that gives them a little bit more of something. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they are trying to re-induce to introduce a couple guys off the injured list and JP FireEyes and Pete Fairbanks, but even if those guys aren't effective, Andrew Kittredge has been great for this team all year long. You've been able to get quite a bit of something, even out of someone like JT Chargois who comes over from the Seattle Mariners. He's got a sub-2 ERA, so I do like the way that this Rays team is rolling. The question is, can Patino be able to settle himself down a little bit on the road? I think so, because I wound up saying the Rays is more like a minus-165 favorite. If you take a look at the run line of the Rays, you're going to be getting that right around even money. Honestly, I would probably just rather lay the money line in this spot at right around a minus 147 ish rather than take a run line in which all you're doing is getting even money. And I did wind up saying the sold at 9.3. So, going to be going with you over along with the Tampa Bay Rays. 917, 918 on the bang board. The Boston Red Sox. Hitting the road face off against the Chicago White Sox. In the Battle of Sox, it is the White Sox who find themselves at minus 160, plus 140 on the Red Sox currently. Only Drive Kings has a number up on this game, and the total is 8.5. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. For Nick Pavetta, we were talking about it with our good friend Pat as... He has been significantly better at home than he has been on the road. You don't see that very often, but this is a guy in Pavetta that has a 382 road ERA, 5 and 5 record, and 13 starts. He's given up six home runs at 70 and two thirds innings. At home, he's given up 15 bombs at 64 and a third innings. Opponents are earning a 259 off of him at Fenway. Meanwhile, on the road, that declines to a 208. He's got a 560 home ERA. So that has been not good for the Boston Red Sox. What else is not good is all these guys dealing with COVID 19. They've been without ear, causing for quite a while one of their talented closers in Matt Barnes, who has over 20 saves so far this year. He's been on the shelves, so they've been looking at guys like, a hey, Caleb, or to be able to give you a little bit of something, Connor Seabold wound up getting the start for this team yesterday. Josh Shaler has become Mr. Reliable for this team. Garrett Woodlock is someone that's able to do an amazing job as well, but needless to say, they're good at it at this point. Meanwhile, for Lance Lynn, this is going to be his first start ever since the beginning of the month of September, and he did wind up looking really bad in his last start, giving up seven runs against the Chicago Cubs, but still, this is a man that is a borderline side Young candidate. 275 ERA at home, in 15 home starts. He's allowed 13 home Runs in eighty-five innings, so that has been a little bit shaky there. But opponents are getting a buck ninety-seven off of them. Then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox lineup, and they have been without Xander Bogaerts for quite a while. So that no question puts some um, a little bit behind the eight ball. He wanted up returning yesterday. You got a question: What sort of form he's going to be in the first couple days? Though, but you do have Hunter Renfro, Rafael Devers, pair of guys hitting between a two sixty-five and a two seventy-five. Pair of guys with twenty-five plus home runs. You're able to throw Kyle Schwarber into that mix as well. J.D. Martinez, so maybe we'll give you twenty-five bombs. He's hitting about a two eighty. Bobby Dalbec now he's north of twenty. Home runs as well. And Kike Hernandez being back with his 250 average and a little bit of power that helps as well. And then with the Chicago White Sox, you've got quite a few guys in between. I would say about a 255. 255- 28270. a 270 Garcia, Joan Moncada, Jose Abreu, along with Eli Mendez, and for Abreu, he wound up entering into yesterday number one in the league with regards to RBI. He had 10 home runs in the month of August, so he has been able to get things cooking. You've got Moncada with right around 380 on base. Luis Robert is hitting at 330, so even without Tim Anderson, this team has been fine. Cesar Hernandez, Brian Goodwin, both thinking about it, 240, and for Hernandez, he has been able to give the team north of 20 home runs. And for the White Sox, you've got Liam Hendricks along Craig Kimbrell doing a great job out there in the bullpen. Ryan Tapera. is Maybe able to give you some good innings. It's been a little bit tough on Aaron Bummer, but no Bummer here because they do have a lot of depth. This is a spot in which I want up setting the White Sox as a relatively sizable favorite just because the Red Sox are going through COVID. I want upsetting them more around about a minus 175 favorite. If you're looking at the run line at DraftKings, I think that this might be a little bit off, but they're setting it at a plus 130. If I'm able to get the White Sox at a plus 130 on the run line, sign me up for that. I think that this will probably be more like even money, maybe a plus 105, and I certainly still would be taking a look at that. And when it comes of total. I want to saying this at an 8.3 because I do think that Bavetta is going to be relatively solid. I think that the Red Sox are going to have a tough time hitting Lynn, So, going to be going under along with the White Sox on the run line. 919-920 on the bang board. The Kansas City Royals are going to be in the red faceoff face off against the Minnesota Twins. Bailey Ober is going to be going for the Twins. Chris with KB, which is on the bump for the Royals. The total of 9 has over and under juice. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Royals are anywhere between plus 145 and plus 150. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Twins, it's anywhere between minus 159 and minus 165 for Bailey Ober. He has been able to round into form a little bit more here with the Minnesota Twins, and you've got a guy, whom Chris with the K. K-Bubich, who has been very inconsistent for the Kansas City Royals, to say the least. For our good friend, Chris with K. K-Bubich, a 507 ERA. You take a look at him recently, and it's been much better, giving up two runs of fear in three out of his last four total appearances. One of those was a long relief appearance, but he certainly has been hurt quite a bit by the deep ball. You take a look at what Bubich has given up so far this year on the road. 16 home runs over the course of 50 50- in a third innings, that shrinks a 5 and 50 in a third innings at home, and yet his ERA, it's not necessarily a massive split. A 430 home ERA, a 580 road ERA, and then you take a look at Bailey O'Brien. He's been giving up the deep ball quite a bit himself. He's given up 16 home runs over the course of 78 and two-thirds innings, but he's also given up pretty much that many walks, 17 walks in 78 and two-thirds innings. He's lowered his ERA to a 4. He's been able to do a nice job recently of rounding into form for this Twins team, and for the Minnesota Twins, Luke Farrell has been very solid in the bullpen with a sub-2 Era orel call along with Alex Kalme. These guys have been very much a roll of the dice. And then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins and you need some of these guys to be able to hit above a two twenty five. You got a lot of guys that are currently struggling. Jake Cave, Max Kepler, Ben Roetfitt. Miguel Sano, though I will say for Sino, he's got twenty five home runs and a three fifty on base really ever since the beginning of the month of July. But you're even able to throw in there what Brian Buxton is on ever since coming off the list, hitting right around the Mendoza line, and then you've got Luis arise He's been the opposite of this. He's hitting a 300. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Rob Refsneider. He's hitting above a 260 or a Palunco He's hitting a 280. Entered into yesterday with 27 home runs. He was able to advance that to 28 and Josh Donaldson is right around a 350 on base. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, the intrigue with this team, can Salvador Perez win the home run crown? Entered into yesterday with 42 home runs, north of 100 RBI. He, along with William Merrifield, hitting between a 270 and a 280. Nicky Lopez is approaching 300 with his batting average and several Roberto, Andrew Benetendi, Michael A. Taylor, these guys are in between a 2.45 and a 2.65, so nothing great, nothing terrible. And then you've got Carlos Santana, who really, ever since the beginning of the month of June, has struggled quite a bit for this team. But you do have a Royals bullpen that does rank in the top five with regards to bullpen ERA. Scott Barlow, Jake Prince, these guys have been tremendous. Domingo Tapia, right now, is an ERA that's hovering right around two. Josh Seymour has been able to give this team some nice innings as well, so I do take a look at it, and Bailey Ober certainly has the advantage over Chris with K. Boobich, but I do like this Royals bullpen. Being able to get a plus 150 here, it appeals to me. I was willing to take anything above a plus 135, so going to take a shot here on the Royals. I did wind up saying the all at a 9.1 as well, with the way that Boobich does give up the deep ball, so going to be going over, along with the Royals. 921, 922 on the betting board. The LA Angels hit the road face faceoff against Houston Astros. Lance McCullers Jr. is going to be going for the Astros. Amy else is going to be going for the Angels. Total on this game is 9. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Over is between minus 105 and minus 110. With the Astros, they are finding themselves between minus 227 and minus 250 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Angels, anywhere between plus $2 and plus 206. And For Barilla, it certainly has been a little bit tough for him ever since. He wound up having those good couple starts to begin his season. You take a look at Badia now. He's at a 5-1-6 with regards to the ERA. He's given up at least three runs and now four out of his last six starts. And what has been really interesting is that he's not given up really too many walks. Three walks per nine innings, but the home run ball, 1.4 home runs per nine innings, along with getting just 4.8 strikeouts per nine. That has really been what's been killing him along with being unable to perform on the road. A north of 790 road ERA compared to a 288 home ERA on the road. He has given up 4 home runs and 10 walks over the course of 20 and a 3rd innings. And opponents are in a 318 off of him. And for Lance McCullers Jr. entering into the season, he had a career ERA about 2 points lower at home than he has on the road. That's reversed itself this season. He's got a 253 road ERA compared to a 375 home ERA. 7-1 in his 11 away starts. 4-3 at home, which is still so respectable, giving up seven Seven home runs over the course of 74 and a third innings at home, but. Just four bombs and 64 innings on the road in both places. Opponents are hitting a 210 or lower off of them, and this is a Houston Astros lineup in which it is just stockpile with a bunch of guys that are both able to get on base for you, and they're able to supply the deep ball. Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker. All these 22 home runs for the team, all hitting at least a 275. Alex Bregman is hitting nearly a 300. Michael Brantley hitting well above a 300. You would even get a 300 batting average out of Jake Meyer. So these guys have done a tremendous job. And then for the Angels, how about Shoya Otani? He has been hitting right around the Mendoza line of a 200 ever since July 28th. He is still leading the league in home runs with 44, but certainly things have fallen a little bit for him. You've got Max Asi, Brandon Marsh, and Joe Adele only in between a 245 to a 260 for this bunch, but you've got Keon Wong, Jack Mayfield, along with Luis Renifo. All these guys are in a 215 or lower, so you've got a couple guys that you need to pick it up in for Jared Walsh. Where is a home run power bat? Four home runs ever since the All Star break, still hitting right around 275. And for David Fletcher, he's sitting right around 235 ever since the beginning of the month of August. Then you take a look at this Angels bunch, in. you've had Rossio Iglesias do a great job as a closer for the team, but I don't think that he's going to be able to get a chance to close in this spot. You've also got a guy in CFC Check who's been okay, Andrew Watts has been able to give you a tad bit of something, but when you've got some of these guys like a Jose Quijada and company trying to give you long relief, it's just not going well. This is a spot in which I do think that the Astros. Should be a very sizable favorite. I wound up saying them at a minus 206, but if you take a look at this run line, you're going to be finding it more around a minus 120 to a minus 125. On the Astros run line, I was willing to lay up to a minus 127 in this spot, so I'm going to be willing to take that. Didn't see as much of a differential on the money line. I did wind up saying the solo at a 9.4 as well, so taking that run line and going to be taking the over 923 924 on the bang board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing us to the Walker Texas Rangers as you've got Taylor Earn going for the Rangers. James Caprillion is going to be on the of them for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves between minus 185 and minus 195 favorites. Meanwhile, plus price with Texas is anywhere team 165 and plus 171, with eight and a half being your total. over Overside minus 115, and the under is minus 105. For the Rangers, they are actually four and three in Hearn's last seven starts, so they've been able to do a little bit of something there with Hearn. He has been a guy that's been able to hold down the fort. That's what you can really say for the Texas Rangers team. Now, the Rangers are still generating the fewest runs per game of any team in baseball ever since the All Star break, but now it's up to more like 3.6 runs per game, so that is very solid. They did wind up having to use up uh, Brett Martin, Spencer Patton, along with Joe Barlow, probably their top three. Bullpen guys out of the pen yesterday, but with that said, for the Texas Rangers, you have been able to get quite a bit of something out of Adolis Garcia, hitting a 245 with 29 home runs. He's been the main power hitter for the team. But DJ turned it up. Peters now up to 10 home runs ever since the Rangers acquired him about a month and a half ago. Now you need a little bit more out of some of these guys: Jason Martin, Jonah Heim, Brock Holt, who's currently on the injured list. Mister Peters, Leo D. Tavares. These guys are hitting a 215 or lower. But Nate Lowe, along with Isaiah, Kenner Falefa are both hitting about a 260. You've been able to get. Quite Quite a bit of something out of Yoni Hernandez, who's sitting above a 260 for this bunch, and Yoel Pozo, who's hitting a 290. And then you've got an Oakland team that you've got a whole bunch of guys that are giving you north of a 350 on base. So Marte Parte of Serling Marte, Josh Harrison, Matt Olson. Tony Kemp, Mark Canna, all these guys are able to do a solid job. And we've got quite a few of these guys with like-minded power now. When it comes to Matt Olson, he has been able to do a great job of going yard. 33 home runs so far this year. And for Matt Chapman, 25 home runs. He's had really 11 of them ever since the beginning of the month of August and in that time span, north of a 350 on base for him. But Seth Brown, Sean Murphy, along Jed Lowry, and Mark Canna, all between 14 and 16 home runs so far this season. And for the Marte parte Sterling Marte, is north of 40, so on bases. I believe currently leads the league. He has been able to do a great Job with that regard he and Whit Merrifield have been able to do some movement and for the Oakland A's this bullpen is really starting to fall Over the last 30 days, they've got a north of 5 ERA. That has been a big letdown. Sergio Romo winds up giving up 4 runs yesterday. Andrew Chaffin's been relatively reliable. He gave up a run yesterday. Jake Diekman has been able to do a good job. But you've also got a guy in Trevino who's got really a north of 9 ERA over the last 21 days. So he has certainly fallen on some tough times. But I do think that you are going to be able to get a good start here out of Caprillion. You take a look at what he's been able to do at home. And he's been darn near unhealable. 242 home ERA, 526 road ERA, and 9 home start. He's given up six home runs and 52 innings. His walks per nine rate. That's hovering right around three, but opponents are earning a buck 94 off of them compared to a 258 on the road. When it comes to the athletics in this spot, I was willing to set them as about a minus 154 favorite. So anything above a plus 155 will be a take here for me on the Rangers. We have certainly exceeded that. And with the total, I do think that you've got two young pitchers who are starting to come into their own that are going to be able to lock things down after the last two nights have been a little bit more harebrained. Set this at a 7.9, so going to be diving under and going to be going with the Rangers plus price. 925, 926 on the betting board. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing us to the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer is going to be going for the Brew Crew. Meanwhile, Aaron Savalli is going to be on the bump. For the Indians, the Indians find themselves anywhere between a plus 155 to a plus 161 underdog. Meanwhile, with the birds, you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 175 and minus 180. Eight and a half is your total. Overs between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And for the Indians, it certainly has been a fascinating year to say the least. For Aaron Savali because he wound up getting off and becoming, I believe, the first pitcher in the league to be able to give you 10 wins. But he has spent a lot of time on the injured list, which has certainly put him behind the eight ball. And for Eric Lauer, he wound up having a rocky start to the year to say the least. But he has been able to rein things in a little bit more recently. But what I think is going to be very fascinating is what form of Aaron Savali are you going to be able to get? Because he has made one start since coming off the injured list. It was really his first start since the beginning of the month of June. And it wasn't great, but at the same time... It certainly was far from terrible as well as you take a look at him giving you four and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs in the process. That is something that you're able to live with. And then with Eric Lauer, 318 ERA, deserves better than a 5-5 and record. When it comes to earned runs, has given up two or fewer in four out of his last five starts, three or fewer in each out of his last five. And when it comes to a start in which he's given up more than three earned runs, you have to go all the way back to... June 14th. So, he has been lights out with that regard. He has been able to do so in 10 straight starts. Give you 3 runs or fewer. And when you take a look at Eric Lauer on the road, 279 ERA compared to a 348 home ERA. He's only went 1-2 and two on the road, and he has given up 8 home runs in 42 innings, but still, opponents are a 214 off of him. He's been able to do a nice job there. And then for the Cleveland Indians, you do have a pair of matchers in this team. As you've got Framio Reyes along with Jose Ramirez, Framio Reyes, 28 home runs going into yesterday, Jose Ramirez, 33 of them. And both of these guys along with Harold Ramirez hitting between about a 250 to a 265 mile straw, hitting more like a 270 for this bunch. You need a couple guys to be able to pick it up. Austin Idris, Andres, Andres Jimenez, along with Owen Miller, Bobby Bradley. These guys are hitting a 225 or lower, but you certainly have been able to get this team cooking with a little bit of gas. And for the Cleveland Indians, Emmanuel Classe has been very good out of the bullpen, Blake Parker has maybe able to give you some good innings, but then you got the Milwaukee Brewers with Josh Hader, He's been able to do a great job pairing with Devin Williams in the 8th and ninth innings. Hunter Strickland has been able to give you some very good innings. Don't sleep on Jay Cousins, a sub-2 ERA there, but I do feel like the Brewers should be a sizable favorite, but I think that this is a little bit of disrespect to Aaron Savali. Now, I do recognize that Savali probably doesn't necessarily deserve the record that he wound up getting a double-digit amount of wins despite the fact that his ERA has been a little bit heightened so far this year at more around a 325, but at the same time, with Savali, he has been able to do a relatively solid job when it comes to pitching at home 316, home ERA. He's given up five home runs over the course of 51 and a third innings. A guy that has been able to consistently deliver length and fear the two walks per nine innings at home as well. So, this is a spot in which I was willing to take the Cleveland Indians as long as I was getting a plus 160 or greater. We have certainly gotten there with that. I do mind it saying this only 8.3, so dive it under along with the Cleveland Indians, 927, 928 on the betting board. The Seattle Minors are going to be playing us to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tyler Gilbert is going to be going for the D-backs. say Kikuchi is on the for. for. For the Mariners, Mariners, anywhere between minus 175 and minus 190 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the D-backs, anywhere between plus 160 and plus 165 is your price. 8.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. For Kikuchi, he's actually done his best work whenever he's been on the road as compared to at home. And for Tyler Gilbert, he winds up throwing that memorable no hitter. He ever since then has not necessarily been so great. You take a look at Mr. Gilbert, and he has a 3-1-2 ERA, so it's not like he's followed it up with a whole bunch of duds or anything like that, but at the same time, he's given up at least three runs in three out of his last four starts, so that is a little bit rough. has been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up two home runs overall in 34 and two-thirds. That think so far this year, his walks per nine rate hovers right around three. Not a guy that's going to give you a whole bunch of swings and misses. His strikeouts per nine rate, that is... A little bit north of 6. Meanwhile, for Yusei Kikuchi, he entered into this league, not giving you a whole lot of swings and misses. He's now giving you a little bit more than 9 strikeouts per 9 innings, but you take a look at what he's doing in Seattle. He's got a 438 homey area compared to more like a 426 on the road now. On the road, he's given up 16 home runs compared to 11 at home, but opponents are hitting about a... 225 off of him whenever he is at home. So that is something that you do want to take a look at because he's been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to keep the contact down. Big thing is he gives up more than three walks per nine innings. Then when you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, you've got a couple guys at the top doing a great job of being a reach base. Abraham Toro, ever since coming over from the Houston Astros, hitting above a 300. Ty France is hitting a 290. J.P. Crawford is hitting a two. 65-ish. And then you've got Mitch Haniger along with Kyle Seager. It combined 64 home runs between these two going into yesterday. But with Seager, you're able to throw in there. Kyle Raleigh, Jared Kelnick, Dylan Moore, Ore Mama, Lois, All these guys are hitting a 2.15 or lower and then you got an Arizona Diamondbacks team that you've got nobody on this roster with more than 11 home runs so far this year. Josh Roas, Kitel Marte of the Marte Parte, Carson Kelly, Paven Smith, all these guys between 10 and 11 homers and you've got quite a few guys in between about a 2.62 to 2.70 and Peralta, Pavin Smith along with Josh Roas and then you've got Kitel Marte hitting right around a 3.25 but you certainly do lack a lot of firepower there and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're using a lot of failed starters out of the bullpen. You've been noticing Jake Ferrier giving the team quite a few innings. You've been utilizing Taylor Widener in that role as well. Brett Deguys has right around a 70 ERA. Miguel Aguilar is someone with the right around a 6-5 ERA. And for the Seattle Mariners, Casey Sadler has a sub-1 ERA. Drew Secondrider, a sub-2 ERA. Eric Swanson, Johan Ramirez. These guys have been able to give you some very solid innings. Paul Sewald has been able to do a good job all year long. So I do take a look at this and I do think that Gilbert is a pretty legit starter, but at the same time, he's got nothing around him, which is why I set the Mariners on the money line more around 180. If you're looking at the run line, you're able to find the Mariners as good as a plus 105. Sign me up for that. I was willing to lay up to a minus 113. So gonna be taking that run line of the Seattle Mariners. Did wind up saying this all at 8.8 as well. So going over along Seattle. And we wrap things up with the game out there in New York. 929-930 on the betting board. The New York Yankees hit the road face off against the New York Mets. Carlos Carrasco is gonna be going for the Mets. To be determined, is going to be going for the New York Yankees. So, currently have no numbers up on this game with the Yankees. Got to figure that this is probably going to be some sort of a bullpen game for them. I know that they've been utilizing Andrew Heaney out of the bullpen. Wouldn't be surprised if he's looked to for a little bit of length. I know that in the past they've used Chad Green for like two or three innings. So that is probably going to be an option for this team. But you do take a look at the New York Yankees. And you do have a tree of guys that are doing a nice job. 26 plus home runs for all three of them. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Sandin, along with Joey Gallo. Now with Gallo, you're able to throw in there Kylo Gashioka, Gary Sanchez, Brett Gardner, all these guys are in at 220 or lower, but you have been able to get quite a bit of boom out of Gallo, and he always gives you a good on-base, as you've got TJ Mayu hitting right around 270. Gio Urshela has been a little bit below that, but he's been able to give you a tad bit of something. Big key for this team is that they've got Gleyber Torres back, but he hasn't been able to supply a lot of power whatsoever. He's got six home runs at over 380 at-bats. I don't know what wound up happening there, but he certainly has not been able to take the ball deep ever since coming off the injured list. He hasn't necessarily given this team a whole heck of a lot of something aside from the series with the Baltimore Orioles. And then you take a look at the New York Mets and Pete Alonso, Longoria, Bias. Both of these guys are hitting north of a and these two guys have been able to do a great job. Will be able to go deep. Bias entered into yesterday with 29 home runs. Alonso, 32 of them. Jonathan VR, he has really been able to heat up ever since the beginning of the month of August himself. If you take a look at him, ever since August began, he's hitting north of a 315. He has been able to supply you with seven home runs in that time span as well. That is something that is badly needed for this team because you've got Kevin Pillar, Michael Conforto, Francisco Lindor, only between about a 221 to a 228. That has not lived up to expectations, James McCann, it's been banged up all year long. He's sitting at 240, but the Mets bullpen has been highly reliable as well. I do like what you've been able to get out of someone like an Aaron Lupu. still has a sub-1-3 ERA. That is very impressive. Seth Lugo, ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's got right around a 3-ish ERA. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Miguel Castro as well. And for Mr. Carlos Carrasco, it wound up being a very rough start for him, but it's giving up three runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts, and we wound up giving up four runs to the Miami Marlins. Three of those were unearned runs. So in terms of earned for straight starts of three or fewer. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard as well, giving up two home runs and three walks over the course of his last four starts. So that is something that is able to be built upon from Now, he's got a 7.45 home ERA, but a lot of that is because he wound up getting shelled on Sunday Night Baseball against the Dodgers. So I don't necessarily take a whole a lot from those splits. This is a case in which I'll probably be setting the Yankees as a very slight favorite if it winds up being like Chad Green giving you a few innings and then a whole host of others. I'd probably be setting this right around the Yankees being... I would say about a minus 118, minus 120 ish favorite, and then this would be a spot in which I'd be taking an over on anything of an eight or lower, and then an eight and a half or higher to the under. But check back in the morning my Twitter feed at your one for set plays there. Since we just don't know the plan of attack for the Yankees, but that is my plan of attack for this Sunday MLB betting board. And I do appreciate all of you guys that wound up tuning in today. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the baseball betting podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe every gear podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Play. Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore D1. Keep in mind letters M. Maybe doesn't matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. them from there, you're fire firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. A big thanks to Pat Mavichuk of... FTM bets for joining me in the last segment. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying everything because I'm coming at you every single day of the baseball season, and I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.